0: Welcome to Momentum Church. We're going into a series between now and into the summer where I really want to take some time to look at what it looks like to be the church. Everybody say, be the church. church. I think the church is awesome. I think the church is something that God has called separated unto himself. He calls it the bride, which is amazing. How many like your bride, men? Come on. I gave you a chance, men. I gave you a chance. He calls us the bride, but he draws us to himself for a specific purpose and reason. And it's just beautiful. But I, I don't know about y'all with my bride. I like to know that she knows kind of what's expected. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I mean that in a good way. Nobody likes to be married and don't know what the expectations are, right? And it's kind of that way when we have a relationship with the Lord. We want to be those who are walking in the expectations of the one who has called us to himself amen and so we're going to be looking at the scriptures over the next month and a half two months at different things that that god is calling us that he reflects and says this is what the church is supposed to be like and it's not about a building let me say it this way church is not a building right but it is a building up all right so it's not a building but it's a building up of people connected to god and to each other and that's powerful Years ago, when we were at the movie theater, it was easy. It was easy for us not to call the building the the church because it's a movie theater, you know. And uh, my church serves popcorn. No, it was a movie theater. But when we got to our storefront on 92, it became a little more difficult. And I'd find myself saying, "I'll see you over at the church," but it wasn't too hard because it was a metal, you know, storefront, office, warehouse building. When we came here, this is this is a church. Nice brick building up on a hill, and it became even harder. And and one time I was saying something about meeting somebody at at the church, and man, I just felt that conviction come over me that, no, this is a building. I don't ever want to call this the church because I'm looking at the church that showed up today in the building. Because you are the church. Do you not know that you are a temple of God? God's temple. God's spirit dwells in you. When we start to get an understanding of that, then we start to understand who the church is. You are those who his Holy Spirit indwells. And because of that, you are a people that have been called out by God from the world. Are you glad about that? Yeah, and placed into a family, his family, so that we together might be empowered through the person of the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, being empowered and moving in that empowerment, we can impact the world. That's the church. That's what the church is. I'll say it this way. The church is not a property, but a purpose. It's not about property. It's about purpose. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You hear that? Workers. There's purpose when we come together. You're God's field. Man, God is doing something in you that's reaping a harvest. Do you realize? I love that. The church, this, is the seedbed of God's harvest. It's not weird. You're God's field. That's where the harvest comes. Man, and what is God producing out of his harvest? What fruit is he producing out of his harvest? You're the harvest. What is he producing? What what is he doing in the world that is coming forth from his people because you are, say, I'm God's field? So we're fellow workers. We're God's field. Sounds like there's a lot of purpose that God has for us. It's not just coming into a building. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to start today and look into the summer at what it means to be the church. In Matthew, I love Matthew 16, um, 18, Jesus is speaking to Peter, and he says, Upon this rock, I will build my church. And that's not Peter. Upon, he says, Petros upon this Petra. So Peter, upon myself, I'm the chief cornerstone. I am the rock, amen, the rock of your salvation. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And guess what that church is so powerful that the the superlative over it is? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's you. Mm. That's you empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's you living up to some of these expectations that God has for you. That's us. That's we. Ha! I love it. It's just the thought the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Not for our glory, but we're doing something to impact the world for the glory of God and the good of others. And we get to do it together. A holy temple like lively stones all fit together, building a habitation of God where he comes and he moves and he stirs and he does amazing things through us. But I think those amazing things happen when we walk up into these expectations. I think these things happen when we we say, God, what do you want me to, everybody say, be. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm just tired of being, I'm not saying y'all, just American, American church. I'm just tired of being a weak church. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, the man in me wants to say, I'm tired of being a weak butt church. <laughs> but I'm not going to say that. I, won't, I wouldn't say that in the house of God. <laughs> so, over the next nine weeks, we are going to look at the hallmarks that identify a person who is aligned with God's heart and living in pursuit of God's purpose in and through their lives. Some of those weeks, you're going to go, That's me, Ross. Even more important, you go, that's me, Jesus. That's me. You're talking about me. I'm doing that. That's me. And then there's going to be other weeks you'll be like, not like, that's me, Jesus. Other weeks you'll be like, help me, Jesus. That's not me. I I need to strive. That's a mark, a hallmark that I need to strive toward. That's all right because we're empowered by the Spirit. He's going to help us get there. (laughs) I love that. And so this Sunday, what we're looking at is the subject of God's people being a generous people. Oh, you stop shouting now. It's like, oh, ha, 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 Stephanie comes up, woo, Tyler, woo. Nobody hollers when I come up. But still, then, then, ha, ha, that's funny, this is good, Ross, oh, this is a generosity. We go from being Pentecostal to Presbyterian in eight letters. Be generous. You know, it's like, I'm kidding, I'm teasing. If you're Presbyterian here and I offended you, you were predestined to be offended. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, that's wrong. That's wrong. Uh, so, everybody just say this after we say, be generous. Look to somebody and go, be generous. Yeah, if you're not believing it just yet, just say it. Just be generous. So, I do this. Everybody take your wallet out and your purses. Give it to your neighbor. And now give like you always wanted to. Be, no, don't do that, don't do that. And here's the thing about this, when it comes down to speaking of generosity, there's people in this room that are, you're excited. You're like, I know what this means for my life. I've been moving in generosity. I've been moving in sacrificial living so that I might be a giver, that I might bless the world. I know it, and oh, man, Ross, preach, preach. You jump up, you're like, you know, you know. And there's others in the room like, really, really? I came here to hear a sermon on money? You know, no, that's, that's not what I'm, yes, it is, I'm a sermon on money, but it's more a sermon on our hearts, the motivation of our lives, and the truth of the matter is I am not in commission, you know, right, like, 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 if giving goes up today because of this sermon, my board isn't going to go, good job, Ross, here's an extra in your paycheck, I'm not, you know, I don't own a single thing on this campus, This building's not mine. This property's not mine. Nothing here is mine. Guess what? Neither do you, but all of us do. This is ours. We're all called to come together as the church, that church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. We're all called to come together. And when we walk in generosity and we move in all those resources that we're supposed to steward together, this building just becomes literally a hope factory. This building becomes something that sends hope all around the world. We steward it together. And so that's what we're talking about. That's all, just that. It's exciting. Hmm. Do you know when it comes to the idea of giving and scripture, there's 500 scriptures in the Bible on prayer, not including actual prayers. I'm just saying that speak about prayer intercession, 500. There's 500 scriptures in the Bible on faith, right? There are 2,000 scriptures in the Bible on money and possessions, It sounds like God knew this was going to be an issue, right? This was going to be something that was going to tug at our hearts. This was going to be something that would battle our motives. This was going to be something that would would shape us if we let it. Or the sacrifice of it, the submission of it would shape us as well. And so when it comes down to generosity, really what it is, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And I'm going to give you a walk in point for this week. This is going to be all throughout the sermon. You ready? A heart touched by God is generous. You get touched by God, you become generous. A heart touched by God is generous and starts with the tithe. It starts with the tithe. Now, I'm going to talk about that here, the whole sermon, dealing with the idea of tithe, and I'll define it here in a second. I felt like the Lord wanted me this week just to kind of take a moment and say to you, look, if you hear that and you're like, I, 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 a tithe. I want to tithe, Ross, but I don't even know if that's even possible. You're in good company. It's okay, all right? What I want you to do today is come out of this striving, all right? I want you to come out of this going, God, show me what I need to do to step up. I want to be generous. I, because there's some people in the room who go, tithe? 10%? That's Nothing. Like, like God has challenged me, and we give more, than and that's okay. And there's others like, that's not possible. All I'm getting at is, let's be hearts touched by God and then become generous. And I believe the heart touched by God that becomes generous, they won't even be satisfied at some point with the 10. They'll just be looking for, how can I bless? What can I do? How can I serve? how can You know, just looking for stuff. Got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. And I'm wanting to give it out. I want to do things with it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Snoop. Okay. So, I don't know where that came from. Not in the notes, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, it's a heart issue. Second Corinthians 9, 7. So, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Do you hear that? It's a heart issue. Not grudgingly, i tell you, they're asking for me mummily again. Not grudgingly, not out of necessity. Well, I guess if I have to. No, for God loves a cheerful giver. So so this scripture shows us that no one is forced to give. It's out of purpose. And it shows us the purpose comes out of one's heart. So I hope you'll want to get generous and be generous out of a heart that's been touched by God. That's my hope. And we'll talk about this word tithe. This word tithe, how many's heard the word tithe before? Yeah, yeah. And most of the time, you will never hear it outside the church. It's just a word that we use in the church. But the word tithe literally means one-tenth. That's what the word tithe means. I heard somebody say, they asked the preacher one time, what's this word mean? This, this tithy. And the preacher's like, that's what people get in when I ask them for money. <laughs> I get in a tithy. Um, no, tithe. 10%, that's what it means. And, and we don't use that outside. It's not like, how many went to Waffle House this week, Anybody? Yes, bless your heart. <laughs> Literally, God bless your, your hearts. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you don't finish your Waffle House meal and go, hey, honey, what, what do you want to tithe our waiter waitress? You, you're, you don't use that word, you know. And, 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 and so you're going to give 10, 20, hopefully at least 20%. If it's breakfast, give more those breakfasts is usually a little cheaper, and, and I figure like they're there early, very early in the morning, and I want to help them out a little bit more, you know, bless them, bless them, amen? But you don't say tithe. Biblically, a tithe in scripture is the first tenth of our increase that we give to the Lord, and so we have our paycheck comes in, and we take ten, and we give it to the Lord. That's kind of biblically what it was. Now, obviously, they were agreeing during their time, like Farmers And so they would literally take things of their increase and give to the Lord. Do you know this? If everyone in America that went to church tithe, it would give $165 billion more to be used to impact the world. A year. Literally, it would eliminate world hunger. Literally, illiteracy gone. Provide clean water for as many people that need it. Full, fully fund every missionary. Like, everybody that has a heart. I want to go to college and learn this language so I can go to this unknown people group, but I can't because I don't have the finances. Yes, you do. Because we could pour it into them. We could sow it into them. You know, it would fund every building that the buildings wouldn't have to be debt, have debt on them. And now, I'll be honest if you're here with me in this room, sometimes buildings are all about men. That makes me mad too, and it should. There should be a responsibility when it comes to the things we build and use for God's glory, so it's for his glory, not for our ego. Amen? So, um, not in the notes, but just important. So, um, but still, there are funds that would be awesome not to have any debt and just pay God the, God's buildings off and use them for his glory. And so a heart touched by God is generous and starts with a tithe. Now, some churches, they don't even talk about this word tithe. And some people don't want to talk about it. Or they'll say, like, look, I'm a New Testament believer, so I'm a New Testament giver. I give, I'm give. i a New Testament. I don't see, that's an Old Testament. That's an old law thing. I'm a New Testament giver. Well, great. That's awesome. Let's talk about Jesus and how he takes things up, right? Because Jesus is always going up with things. In the Old Testament, thou shalt not murder, right? That's good. Don't do that shall not murder. In the New Testament, don't even hate in your heart. Under the old law, thou shalt not commit adultery. Under the New Testament, under grace, don't even lust in your heart for that person that's not your spouse. See how that works? Yeah, yeah, that's how, that's, 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 that's how I love that Jesus is always moving the ante up. And so under the old law, a tithe was supposed to be brought to the Lord. So where do we go from there? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that a heart that is generous is marked by God and begins with a tithe or strives to get to that tithe, prioritizes to get to that tithe. And so some will say the New Testament is silent on tithing, so it's not something we should expect of ourselves to strive for. Well, do you know why it's silent? It's not silent. I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures. The reason why it's fairly silent, more so than the old, is these are Jews. They, 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 it's assumed. All those that are connected with Jesus, they are tithing. This is a part of their belief structure. This is something they've been taught their whole lives. And so there's an assumption to all those during the New Testament time that tithing is just something that people do. Of course you do this. And then in the early church, guess what? The early church, for a good long while, all Jews. So so they would teach generosity and give and give above and give freely and freely you give, freely you receive. They understood the, the concept of tithing. And so I think a lot of the New Testament scriptures are challenging in the area of possession regarding one's heart, regarding motive and intent, you know? And so, if you want to give sparingly, give sparingly, you reap sparingly. You want to give bountifully? And it's not about you getting, it's about this flow of reciprocity. It's about this God, I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the zone with you, Jesus. What are we doing to change a world together? You bring, I give, you bring, I give, and we change the world together. So Matthew, though, we want to show you a scripture where it talked about it, though. I read this a few weeks ago. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. Here's the little stuff. You give a tenth, mint, dill, and cumin. That tenth is what? A tithe. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Then people will say, well, yes, so then we just, it's okay. Like, this is what's more important. Well, hold on. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, God's like, I want your money, and I don't want you to be rude to your neighbor. Yeah. Like justice and law and, you know, treat people right. Don't be prejudiced. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, like I want all that. But he also is wanting to And that word should have, it says should have practiced in the Greek, another way that it says in some translations, it says ought, ought. O-U-G-H-T. That's a strong word. You ought to do this. When my mother would say, Ross Allen, you ought to... I was listening. You know? It's a strong word. It means it should be a necessity for those who follow after God is what it's saying here. There's a necessity that we are good by people, both relationally, socially, justice, mercy, law, but also through our finances and generosity. I want to look at some examples in the New Testament real quick of how Jesus and others in the New Testament looked at giving and the motives of the heart. I want to look at this. This is cool. The radical percentages of the New Testament. That might be the best tag in a sermon I've ever preached. I just love that. The radical percentages of the New Testament. I want like, like music from the news. I just, so Zacchaeus, he's rich. He's a tax collector. He's despised. People don't like Zacchaeus. He's hurting, you know? And so he comes, he hears Jesus coming through the city, he climbs up a tree, he gets his eyes on Jesus. Man, there he is. I hear so much about this man. Will he accept me? And Jesus comes and he looks at Zacchaeus and says, get get down here. Today I'm going to your house. Oh man, it just touches Zacchaeus. Nobody wants to come to Zacchaeus' house. He's a tax collector, right? Nobody wants to go there. (laughs) So long story short, I'm having ADHD. I was. Do you want to know what's in my head when I said nobody wants to go there? Like He's like a proctologist. This is what was in my head. Half the things I don't say. Okay? But nobody wants to go there. But Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus, he stood, and he, he's like, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone, I'll restore it four times. I mean, like, he gets this... Heart touched by God in that moment. And he's like, i have given half everything I have away. How many percent? That's 50%. Not counting the stuff he's going to restore fourfold. So now he's already into more than 50%. Why? Because his heart got touched by God. And then Jesus looks at him and says, today salvation has come to your house. Now that wasn't transactional. That wasn't Jesus saying, you just bought your salvation. No, that was an ascription Jesus was ascribing upon his house in that moment. He's like, Jesus is like, this is the way has saved people act. This is the way changed people act. This heart's been touched by me. And, and, and today salvation's here. I just see it all over. He wasn't telling me he bought his way into salvation. He was giving a description, a ascribing that he was saved, that the house was saved. Isn't that cool? So, how about this one? John the Baptist is preaching and he's preparing the way for Jesus. And he says, Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. In other words, things should come from your life that is a mark of your life turn. That's what repentance means turn to Jesus. So, my life is turned to Jesus. There will all be fruit of that turning. To Jesus. And then he begins to speak, and he hits some categories of people and their needs, because he's challenging hearts. Like to the soldier, he tells them not to extort. But there was somebody in that crowd that he looked at, and he said that, 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 where's that? Um, I already know. I don't know. He, he said, those who have two cloaks or two cona, <coughs> cloaks or tunics, give one away and do the same with your food if you've got that. And I have this picture that there's a soldier, he's speaking to him, there's that one, he's speaking to him. But I have a picture, he's looking at somebody that's like, dude, you got a lot of clothes on. That's just too much, you know. (laughs) No, he knew the guy's heart. And I think he's looking at somebody out there, and they're talking, and he's just like, "Mm, that guy's heart is wrapped up in what he owns. And I love him too much to leave him there. And so, hey, buddy, you got two. I can just see him looking right at that guy. You got two? You got two cars? You got a nice car? You got another truck? My truck struggled this morning on the way here. No, no. But I could just see him looking and being like, being like, you know what, you got two? Give one away. What's the percentage of that? 50%. It gets it gets gets better. The rich young ruler, Jesus, is talking to this young guy. And, and, and he, the young guy says, What must I do to inter- and, and, and inherit eternal life? And Jesus begins to tell him, you know the commandments. And the guy's like, I've done the commandments. I know the commandments. He's like, I haven't murdered anybody. I ha- Listen, if your list of good things you've done starts with, I haven't murdered anybody. What in the world? I ain't killed nobody. I'm mama's little angel. No, I haven't murdered nobody. I honor my father. I honor my mother. You know, and so he's saying all this stuff. And, and then Jesus looking at him, it says, Jesus looking at him, loved him. Did you catch that? I love it. Loved him and said, you lack one thing. So God loves you. He's challenging you. He goes, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. He's inviting him to come and be a disciple. I mean, I don't know if it could have been Peter, James, John, Rich, Young, Ruler. I don't know. But he's (laughs) inviting him to come be a disciple. This is awesome. And it says, don't miss it, verse 22, disheartened by the same. You catch that? A heart touched by God is generous and begins with a tithe. This man, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He could not give it up to follow the one that's inviting him to come follow. To say, hey, I want you to come be a part of the church. Because this is how the church be. Be the church. I want you to come. Be a part of the church. I want you to come. Be generous. Come follow me. Nah, can't do it. He's disheartened. He couldn't get his heart in line with the motive that he needed to follow Christ in that moment. So what would Jesus say if they have, well what was the percentage of that? Hundred. Not you were wrong, Pastor. I think Pastor said fifty. You know? Did he, Mom Blair? Did he say fifty? He said fifty. This is our path. This is granddaddy of the church. That was my pastor for years and helped us plant this years ago. And he's retired here, he and his wife. And so it's such a blessing always having them. They're back. And, um, and that's okay. I'll give you a buy on this one. It's your first day back. No, 100%. So, so with those percentages, though, radical percentages of the New Testament, with those percentages, what would Jesus say to the affluent American churchgoer? I'm talking about the one who actually gives something. But do you realize in the American church, 27% don't give anything? that attend American churches, the ones who do give, out of all those that give, it's 2.5% is the average that they give. So what would Jesus say? Like, what would, I mean, he just told this guy to to follow me, give it all. I'm not saying do that. I'm just saying, where's our heart that's been touched by God? And how are we responding now, that motive of being touched by God? Are we responding with generosity or not? Because listen to me, don't miss this, giving generously isn't about me trying to get you to be a donor a donor we're not just a charitable organization we're that church that the gates of hell will not prevail against amen and so it's not about being a donor it's about being a disciple that's what it is give it all up and come follow me now that's not what Jesus is saying to you I'm just saying where's the heart when it comes to generosity? Come follow me. That's the mark of a disciple. So the principle of of generosity through a tithe, you know, people will say, well, I don't see the New Testament. I see that generosity all through the New Testament, but I also see it pre-law. It's pre-law. It's under the law. It's under grace. I mean, it's everywhere. Let's go look at under law for a second, okay? So under law, Old Testament, Leviticus 27, 30. It says, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. All the tithe, that full 10%, that is the Lord's. And I love this. It is holy to the Lord. What's that word holy mean? It means separate. It's holy. It's set apart. This is not mine. This is yours, Lord. It's not mine. It's God's. It's set apart. It's different from the rest, I pull this out and I give this to you, Lord. It's different. It marks everything else. This is different. It is the Lord's. I want my friends, my, my, our ushers, in, bring those tables up here if you would. I appreciate it, guys. I'm gonna bring this down here a little bit. Thank you, guys. All right. You fast. Thank you very much. So there's something very powerful that happens when you begin to honor God with what's separated unto him, unto the Lord. Something very powerful. And the Old Testament, staying in the Old Testament right now, under law right now, the Old Testament shows you this prophecy that, or this promise that takes place when you have been faithful in giving. Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And put me to a test, says the Lord. He says, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you won't even have room to receive. That's that first promise. He's gonna open the heavens and he's gonna provide for you. The second, I love, he is going to rebuke the devourer, it says, on your behalf. You know, in the Hebrew, that word devour means seed eater. That's the actual word for, for devour, the seed eater, the one that wants to get into God's field, into your life, and rob from you that harvest, that seed, he will rebuke it. What's rebuke mean? Literally, the easiest way to define it is stop it, that's enough. And so when you begin to partner with God in your finances, you remember you're God's field. And so God gets up in that field, and that seed eater comes, and God's like, stop it, that's enough. Stop it, that's enough. So it's not just provision, it's rebuking the seed eater. And so uh, my my whole life I've done this. I started tithing, like religiously, if you will, or uh, just every week when I was about 10 years old when I started my first business. And I just, just, just didn't know anything different. I mean, to the degree that anything increased. I, mean, I didn't know any better. So my graduation gift money, you know, here's all this money. Well, 10% goes out. I, I married Amy, and she had never heard that before. Like, and you don't have to do that. That was just something that I did. So we get our wedding money, and she's like, no, that's all ours. I'm like, No, 10% of that is going to the Lord. Because someday, you're going to get mad at me in a fight. And I need the seed eater to be rebuked because I'm tore up from the floor up, messed up from the chest up, right, right, (laughs) a wreck from the neck, no, so I'm going to need the help of Jesus to keep you from busting my brains out, no, I didn't say that, but but I, no, so we just, we gave on that, you know, it's just been part of our our lives, and and man, this summer's 29 years of marriage, Mm. I give you all statistics a lot, and um. And I always look them up. This one I I can't find the 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 documentation on it, but I heard years ago of married couples who tithe, who actually give, that divorce rate is less than three percent of those married couples who tithe. That's crazy. I, I, it's just a, it's a mark of discipline. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So, um, all right, so how does it work? If we're going to give, how does it work? You just give. You just, you know, you choose. and You're like, God, I'm going to give the first 10%. I'm going to give the 10% of the first stuff I get. I'm going to give it to you, Lord. And, and so, like, for instance, here, guys, um, like, God, I, I, you're bringing me watermelons. How many like some watermelons? Yeah. And so, God, you're giving me watermelons, and um, this isn't going to be like Gallagher for all us older you're bringing me watermelons, and I got 10 water. You know what, God? My first of my 10, it goes to you. This is the Lord's table. This is holy. This is sacred. This is special. This is set apart. I'm giving this to you, the first of the 10. The, the cauliflower, hmm. I might give them all. I might. The cauliflower, God, I'm giving you the first of the 10, you know, and my wife can make ridiculous stuff out of the rest, like pizza crust that tastes and like pearlized rice cauliflower. We eat all this stuff. I don't like it, but I ain't 300 pounds anymore either. So, so it's working, but, um, oh, this right here, man, bell pepper. I grew up calling this a what? A mango. You're from Kentucky. That's what, this was a mango and I learned it's not, <laughs> but I'm giving a mango to Jesus. Or I'm giving a pepper to Jesus. Pastor's favorite vegetable right here, I think is a cucumber. I could eat cucumbers all day long. I'm giving one to Jesus, you know? Um, celery, another one of my favorites. Good on, oh, so much stuff, you know, and the devil brings a peanut butter, but I love the, I love the, the celery, and um, man, this right here, this is probably my favorite, right? So, I'm, Lord, I've got 10 of these. I, I'm going to give you one. This goes to you, Jesus. Oh, here's a good one. When I was, I did not know what this was called until I was 14. So I, I went to a friend's house. He said, you want to have some cantaloupe? And I'm like, I've never had cantaloupe before. He's like, you've never had cantaloupe? I said, no. They bring it out and I go, oh, a musk melon." My mom is a hillbilly. Mother, you taught me a lot of stuff wrong. But I think I was 14 when I found out this is called a cantaloupe. And this is that part of the fruit salad. It just stays in the bottom. It just stays in the bottom. I'm going to have a strawberry, pineapple I'm going to have, but we'll give Jesus all that. No, so, yeah. Absolutely love corn. Who loves corn? This is not a health lesson. Nutritionally, completely, doesn't do anything for you. But it's glorious. Nothing better. It's so... um, yeah, so God brings you 10 packages of corn, and Lord, I'm putting this to your table. This is yours. This is yours. This isn't mine. This is yours. And then, oh, I, there's a really neat, right here it is. Ooh. Mango. Mango, real mango. Lord, I'm giving you that mango. My daughter, Auburn, loves mangoes. Um, this one here is a kiwi. And, and this is like if, if a, pe- like, like a, like a piece of fruit had a baby with a gerbil. It would become a kiwi. That's what it would. But, but God, I'm giving you that, that fruit gerbil. I'm giving it to you, Jesus. Oranges. God, you gave me all these beautiful citrus oranges. But I'm going to give you one. You know Why? Because this is, everybody say, the Lord's table. That's the Lord's table. And, and here's what's amazing. I, I'm not sure if I missed it. Oh, I did. The bananas. You gave me 10 bunches of bananas, Lord. I'm going to give you this bunch of bananas on the Lord's table. Thank you for... uh, mm, can you see this bring all the tithe into the storehouse and see if i won't open up the windows of heaven and pour it out you you think it's new stuff coming no it's just the reality everything you have is god's anyhow and look how he's provided but no i'm hungry for a banana I'm going to eat my banana and come over here and count my other bananas. How many bananas do I got? Oh, I got all these bananas. But I'm eating Jesus a banana. I don't know why I'd bit that. That's so dry. <laughs> Talk amongst yourself. A subject. <laughs> How I'm going to set up online pay giving. No, I'm teasing. No, That literally just took all the moisture. I never realized that. All right, so (laughs) your table and the Lord's table. You know, just look. I mean, you can't even fit all the Lord has provided on that table. And, And here's the thing. I get it. I told you already. I understand car payments, house payments, mortgage, medical. Every one of us in this room has that. Dave Ramsey says this. If you can't make it on 90%, you can't make it on 100%. He said, you don't need a miracle to make it through the month. And you're like, pastor, you don't know my month. No, I, I get that, all right? But here's the thing. You don't need a miracle. Now, it may require you to adjust your budget. It may require you to stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. It may require you to delay maybe some desired spending. It may require that. And Amy and I, I mean, like years and years. When I worked for pastor, all those years ago, we were tithers you know, but there was things we couldn't do because we were tithers. There was things we had to make conscious decisions as a couple that we will sacrifice this to be a tither. Then we decided to build a building all those years ago. And so we committed to $40 a week. This is back in 20, no, probably 1998 or something like that. $40 more a week above our tithe, we committed to for three years, I think it was, you know, 160 bucks a month. We, we, you know what, for a good part of that time, we drove one car, because we could do that commitment, but it would be very difficult to do that commitment and have two cars, but we decided to drive two, one car. I'm not saying pat us on the back, I'm saying it was a matter of the heart. We want to be generous, our hearts are touched, we believe in what God's wanting to do through this church that the gates of hell will not prevail against, and so we're going to modify our life, realign, change things, move things around, make decisions, Amen. So it may require you to do some adjustment, but God will honor that. God says, I want the first one. And then what happens when you give him that first one? It acknowledges that everything is his. This is all yours, Lord. This is all yours, Lord. Thank you. I'm giving this back to your table for your purpose, your good, and the uh, the good of other people and the glory of you. But everything acknowledges that is what happens. All right, and 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 what's neat is when you start to realize that all of it is His. <laughs> you know what they say: the person that gives a tithe, ten percent, will rarely stay at ten percent giving. Did you know that? I think it's twofold, two reasons. I think one, God does start to increase, and so when that increase comes, the giving percentages go up. It's like God's going to give you more you know? And then two, it's just like that heart. It's like, I just want to make a difference. And if my increase can make a difference, don't sit here and say, if I had a lot of money, I could give. Do you know the biggest percentage of givers in America are those who make $50,000 or less? Yeah. As you get more money, you get more disobedient. I have no problem giving my 5,000 on 50, but that 50,000 on 500, guess what? That makes it more difficult, Right? And so so I don't, want, I don't want to discount us that make less. No, no, God, God's inviting us into that. And here's what ends up happening. It's like, oh my gosh, Chi Alpha, where are you at? Thomas is, oh, what a wonderful couple. So Chi Alpha up there at UGA, you know, our Chi Alpha rep is here today. And um, he's speaking as a speaker to our seniors today at their luncheon. And um, so you're like, I wanna make a difference in the missionary, or I wanna make a difference in the harvest field that God's bringing to the American campuses, and so UGA and Georgia Tech and KSU and Georgia Southern, as we give to Chi Alpha, we're making a difference. And so you're just like, you know what, God? I've done 10, but I, I, Chi Alpha needs some bananas, you know? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I want, we're doing work with children down in, 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 in with Leah and Michael down in um, um, Ecuador. And, and they're starting to launch the, the Ecuadorian convoy of hope. And, and so, Lord God, you know what? I believe in them. I want to put some more in there. You know? Well the Farans over there in, 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 in Israel. And they're bringing people, uh, Jewish people, to faith in, 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 in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Come on. And we want, as a church, we want to be sure. And so as a your heart. You're like, I want, to, I want to give to that. Pastor Ross and Amy are pouring into that Southeast Asian island country and seeing changes in those young pastors and their wives. I can't wait to share with you the testimonies of what we are hearing. Are, are hearing. And, man, I want to keep seeing life change. In those young pastors changing that whole island. And I want to keep seeing that. So I'm going to put a little bit more. I want to be a hope maker. I want to put a little bit more. I'm going to I'm changing the world. See how that works? is that neat? That's a whole lot different than, I think I'll eat a banana off the Lord's table. It's just a lot different than that. We're almost done. And so I I forgot a few. I mean, everything from, from, um, providing Bibles, you know, in Ukraine, all you know, just all the things that we put our hands to. I don't know if you realize this, when you tithe, just your tithe, when finances come in, we take a 10% of everything that comes in and goes back out to, to the world, goes back out to missions. I, I didn't even mention our first responders and the ministry we do with first responders. And so that's, that's like that, echo, like I'm just, I just wanna be generous. Pa- Pastor Adrian Rogers, he, he said that, that don't, 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 um, um, don't give what's, oh, I just forgot how I said it. I quoted it right in the first. Oh, that's right. So rather than this idea of of just waiting, no, no, don't give to God what is. I need another pill. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, do that. He said it pretty good. He said it pretty good. For the podcast, though, people are listening. So give to God what is right, not what is left. There we go. So, (laughs) and um, I I think this is still good, God. It's just this half-eaten piece of cantaloupe, but I think I'll give you that. No, give them what's right, not what's left. And so we believe that a heart touched by God is a generous heart, and it starts with the tithe. And what it does, it fuels God's church and its impact in the world but it also will impact you. Sir, Sir John Templeton from Templeton Investments, he said, I have observed 100,000 families over my years of investment counseling. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among those families who tithe than among those who didn't. Yeah, and so I wanna challenge you to give generously out of that heart touched by God because it's not about being a donor, it's about being a disciple. And think of those words, disciple equals discipleship or discipline. That's where the difference is. I just believe that when we embrace tithing, it causes a discipline within us that changes everything. Uh, Within a husband and wife, when you make that choice together, it starts to change things in your your life. So yes, I will say that tithing is pre-law. Let's walk down this a little bit. Tithing was in the law, but it also predated the law. Abraham's nephew Lot was captured by a bunch of, of, of kings. They capture him and Abraham takes his band of Bedouin shepherds and they run over there and they defeat this king. Like, it shouldn't have happened. And they get the spoils of their war. They get lot back, but they get all their stuff. And in Genesis 14, there was this priest, and he's different than other priests. It says, he was priest of God Most High. Not a priest of God. He was priest of God Most High. Most theologians say his name is Melchizedek, that he is a Christophany. He's a precarnate image of Christ showing up in the Old Testament times, and so Here's what happens. He ends up giving him a tenth of everything. Like Abraham. This is pre-law. Abraham was so stirred, he gave a tenth. It's as if Abraham was saying, God, you gave me this victory, so I'm giving you a tithe. You gave me all of this. You gave me everything. How can I not give back to you? And so that's the picture, and that's pre-law. That's with Adam. I'm sorry, that's with Abraham. And so how do you give your tithe? Do you just give like wherever you you want to give? Um, You know, I believe Jesus said, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against me. I believe your tithe comes to the storehouse. I believe it comes into the local body, into the house of God, where we take that, we steward it together to make an impact around the world. Why? Because we as the church, that church that the gates will not prevail against, we are on mission together. And so we could together come in and we fuel that mission as we provide a place of worship, but we're also providing a place of discipleship. We're providing a place of stewardship where together we're stewarding our resources to make an impact in the world for his glory and the good of others. And that happens so many ways. I mean, this week, just one little one, we have a woman in the church that was only a couple months to live. And um, many of you don't know them, but, but, but um, they've been a part of the church a long time. And the doctors, are, 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 they she only has a couple months to live. And so a foundation gave her a trip to Niagara Falls. You know, And so we, this week, were able to give her a very nice amount of money to take with her and her husband when they go experience it as she's getting her bucket list done. You guys did that. You just able to love on her. And we were in their living room giving the gift and just, it was just beautiful. That's just one thing. There's tons of things that happen. So when it comes to being generous to the Lord's table, I don't want you to think, though, that this is a transaction. Do not think transactionally about this think worshipfully. A heart touched by God response. That's worship. Our response to God is worship. It's not a transaction. Abraham stood this. He just wanted to worship the Lord with what he had received. And for us, it's that idea, like you're in love with God and you're wanting to bless the one that you love. That's what it is. It's not a transaction. I just love it on the one I love and I want to show him worship. And we know that that word for worship, it ascribes worth to something or someone. I'm just not going to give you just a little. I want to give you worship, Lord. Cain and Abel, you know the story. God wasn't real pleased with Cain's offering, but he was pleased with Abel's. And then made Cain upset. Cain ended up killing Abel. And in the New Testament, it gives us a little understanding of why God wasn't pleased. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. A better, hmm. That word better means greater in size. It means greater in size or degree. It literally has a connotation of bulk, greater in bulk. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know exactly all that means. I just know when God looked at what Cain was bringing, God saw Cain's heart and knew it wasn't coming from his heart. He looked at Abel and knew it was a better sacrifice. I don't think it was just the stuff. It was from that place of the heart. And so, with that, we can understand. I'm not just going to give you a little, God. I want to give you all I can. You know, that's worship. I'm bringing you those first fruits because that's worship. And God, you're worth it. You're worth me, Lord, having to sacrifice at times to be able to be a generous giver. You're worth me, Lord, having to create budgets around me being a generous giver. You're worth it delaying my desires to be a generous giver. But you may say, Pastor, I I don't want to do that. This is your God. This is the one who saved you. This is the one you say you have given your life to, but you don't want to be generous and I'm not saying that whole 10%. I just start somewhere. I'm just saying like he's given everything to us, a heart touched by God should be generous. No, God, I'm just going to give you what's left. No. Did everything. We're going to give him our first fruits. And I want to give you as we close a reason why the 10%. You know why 10%? Could have been anything, right? Why 10? In scripture, 10 is always the number of testing in the Bible. Testing. 10 commandments, right? 10 plagues that tested Egypt. Jacob, when he was working for Laban, his father-in-law, he says to Laban, 10 times you've changed my wages. You've tested me. 10 times you've changed my wages, but I've never stolen from you. I've always been faithful to you. It's the number of testing. I don't, think it's, um, I don't think it's an accident that in Malachi, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. And then he says, test me in this. See that? Bring your 10%, test me, that number of 10. Test me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing you won't have room to receive. And so, yes, Lord, test me. Even if that means I have to downsize or realign things, 10%. Lord God, that's heavy for me, but it becomes that heart test. I want to pass that test when you're challenging me to be generous. There's a couple in this church I love dearly who I remember when they were literally selling things off, doing all these changes financially because they got a hold of the idea they want to be biblical tithers. And today, they are so blessed I'm not saying that's what it's about, but I've seen their heart of worship to the Lord through the years, and God has created a business, and just all the things they've put their hands to, and they've just been faithful, but it started years ago going, yeah, we're not, our hearts are touched by God, but we're not being generous, and they made changes to be generous, and so I want that heart, God, to be able to to pass that test, you know, that idea that generosity, it's not like I have to, no, no, God, I have that heart that I, I get to, I want that. I want to. And I don't want to just be satisfied with just this. God, I want, I want to just keep partnering with you. Whatever you're asking of me. And, and I'm not saying this to Pat, Amy, and I are on the back. There was a few years ago where we just had a year where we felt like we just really needed to give to a handful of things. And it was like 20-some 20 percent, 23, 24 percent. I mean, my accountant's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. But There was things. There was needs. There was things that we wanted to pour into. Not every year. But that year, we just were responding to be obedient that year. So that's why I'm not not saying we do that all the time, but it was a few years ago. It just felt like we were supposed to. We just felt like we were supposed to move things from our table to his table. And that's my challenge to you. A heart touched by God is generous. Are you ready to remove, to rather move things from our table to his table? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Let no condemnation be on the hearts of our church body. Allow them to leave this place stirred in their hearts, God. That you're inviting them into this this relationship where, where you're partnering to change the world in and through them and through them working together with each other as the church. I ask that you'd touch them and that we all would respond to your voice as you challenge us to walk out generosity in our lives as we are being the church. In your name we pray, amen. Give God some praise. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message For more information Please check out www.momentumchurch.tv